ultra Tuscan orange grapefruit. My God, America is imploding. Something's about to implode, that's for sure. Uh, welcome to Fan Zone Debate. Uh, we are here for a, a, a big one. This is a big one. Uh, we got Cody Newberry and Mike Hanley going head to head in a debut match. Um, if they win this, whoever wins this will go on to play later uh, again on a road to a title. But for now, they're going to play each other. And we got some people, uh, fun people here to judge with me. Brian, regular judge, always around helping out. Thank you, Brian, for being here. And what do you think about Cody versus Mike? If nothing else, it's going to be a fun match. Um, this is, uh, you know, Cody obviously is a, a pretty dominant debater uh, coming back out of retirement, out of, you know, his break, whatever you want to call it. Can't say the retirement. Um, to go against Mike, who, who Mike himself says he's going to get slaughtered. We don't know that for a fact. But like I said, if nothing else, it's going to be fun. So, Yeah, I don't know if, I don't think Cody ever debated at Multiplex, but... Um... But yeah, he hasn't done fan zone yet, has he? Yeah, fan zone or yeah. that other thing that we called it. I don't think he ever did. But um, Kirk, current champion of this league, I wanted him here as a judge for uh, a couple of these debut matches to uh, see the new the new crop. And uh, you're here now, Kirk. What do you think about Cody and Mike going head to head? No, I'm glad this is how we're kicking off the uh, season. I'm glad to be here doing this. It's been forever since I participated from this end of things. Um, but yeah. It's exciting. Two guys, Cody coming back to debate after a long time um, in a new game and Mike, who we've never seen do it before. But, you know, Mike's going to bring something special to it. He always does. I'm excited to see what his style is, how he works it. Um, it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm excited to get into it. All right. Well, let's start by bringing in Mr. Newberry himself. Cody, welcome. Uh, at the end of last season, you decided, hey, I'm coming in. Let's do this officially. And now you're here, and you're playing Mike. What do you think? Yeah, um, one Mike and me watch movies on Monday night, so um, it's it's this is a fun uh, battle that we're gonna have. Um, I'm just gonna try to get him to cuss as much as possible. Uh, no, but I'm done with trivia. Basically, in multiplex, I stepped back this year and uh, just decided not to play or manage. So I've always enjoyed debating uh, and like. A, Prepping for a debate is complete opposite of trivia because you get to actually watch the movie for its intention and find like the stuff that you like about it and stuff, or the less stuff you dislike. Um, instead of learning what profession somebody is or what war something takes place, of a captain or general, so it's a lot of fun to be on this side of it because I don't give a fuck at this point, and I get to yell at people. So that's that's why I'm here. Um, yeah, I'm excited, Kirk. Uh, Kirk in that last debate uh, showed like how dominant he is. And I was like, you know what? I never got to debate you, which I'm glad because our friendship got to stay intact. <laughs> but who I would like to yell at is Kirk. So let's make that happen at some point down the line. So I'm going to give my best performance possible out here. I'm going to Florence Pewitt, as some would say. I'm going to give like one of the best actors, actresses working. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's see. The, the one of the best actor actresses with under 10 films. Uh, <laughs> best start. Check your, check your mailbox next week. <laughs> so, uh, now we will bring in your opponent, Mr. Mike Hanley. Mike, uh, welcome. Mike, you reluctantly said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll play Cody. And now you actually look like you're ready to have some fun. Mike, welcome. How are you feeling about this match? <laughs> I'm just here for the shits and giggles. I'm getting my ass whooped in this. Come on. This is ridiculous right now. What the fuck am I doing in a debate match? <laughs> I can't even manage Nazario for a fucking windmill and trying to make him lose. I did get him to cheat on his wife, though, so, you know, we get to get a good shit going <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so, uh, guys, here's how the show is going to work. Uh, the players drafted two categories apiece. Uh, we then came up with uh, four questions for those categories, and they're going to debate them here tonight. They will each get a one-minute opening, uh, followed by a five-minute free-form debate between the two of them, followed by a one-minute closing for each player. Um, at the end of the question, uh, Kirk, Brian, and I will write on our handy-dandy boards who we think should win that question. Best two out of three wins the point, and the first to three points is the winner. If we are tied at two, after the four prep questions, we will go on to a bonus question. So, are there any questions from the competitors? No, let's do this. All right, let's do it. 
so happy. Okay, uh, so the first category that we're going to dive into tonight is going to be the category of horror films uh, from the Warzone side of things. This was chosen by I Wonder, Mike Hanley. The question is, what is the worst horror movie of the 2010s? So, uh, Mike, since you drafted this, you are going to get to go first. Uh, you will have a minute to open your argument. I will come in when you have 10 seconds remaining to give you a little bit of a warning uh, and cut you off at a minute. And whenever you start talking, uh, your time will begin. All right. So I went with 2018 Slender Man. Know why? Because it's a piece of shit. That's why. You got characters that make dumb fucking choices. It's a concept that could be interesting, but no, they make a shitty movie out of it. So fuck it. Slender Man. All right. Uh, ending about 45 seconds early. <laughs> we will bring in Cody now for his one minute opening when he starts talking. Uh, so I went with 2019's um, The Haunting of Sharon Tate. Uh, now, the reason why I picked this movie, yeah, are there a lot of bad horror movies every year? Yes. And do I see any of them? Probably not. But this movie is literally takes a real-life scenario and stretches it into 90 minutes, makes it something the movie is, the, the story behind it is not, tried to put Hilary Duff as the lead of this character, um, and it kind of just politicizes something that's actually real in events and makes it into a horror movie, but it's not scary in any way. It's kind of grotesque and gory and nasty, like gross. So overall the, the haunting of Sharon Tate was just like a, a cheap cash grab to try to draw people into like a true crime area with like some psychological, uh, spiritual, uh, uh, things. So yeah, haunting of Sharon Tate, absolute garbage of a film. All right. So, uh, Sharon Tate, Slender Man. Oh, shit. Mike is fuzzy. Love, love it. it. Gentlemen, you have five minutes when one of you starts go. talking. Uh, don't talk over each other, or I will come yell at you. Okay, so you said for Hunting of Sharon Tate, it's gory. It's got gore. That's what a fucking horror movie. That's what you're going to see a horror movie for, for the kills, for the gore and shit. And they got some gory shit going on in there, especially during like the fucking dream sequence of like fucking death, death, death. Slender Man, they don't got jack shit of that. They got four dumbass girls walking around the fucking woods knowing what the fuck's going on. Then they tell her, hey, do what you do for the Slender Man. You don't open your fucking eyes. What does she do five seconds later? She opens her fucking eyes. They're fucking made to die. Well, let them fucking die. The movie's stupid. At least Chanting Tate has fucking Hillary Duff, who is trying to fucking act away through it. The other movie has Joey King, who ain't doing jack shit. And the rest of them, who gives a shit? They ain't doing anything for the movie. Are you mean to tell me a teenage horror movie that has cheap, uh, uh, scary imagery didn't work for you in a way that made it an actual scarier horror? I'm shocked. They come out like six times a year. And Slender Man was popular for a video game, and it maybe didn't scare you, but it probably scared the, the PG-13 crowd they went for. The Haunting of Sharon Tate scared nobody. She walked around her pool. She walked to the end of her driveway. She saw the, Sher the, she saw the Charlie Manson uh, girls running up and down over a thing that didn't even happen. Like, the whole thing was politicized to make it seem like Charles Manson was, like, telling them that this was going to happen the entire time and her having so many nightmares for those cheap jump scares that, that didn't work whatsoever. And Hillary Duff's fake, like, scared the entire time. Like, oh, my God. Like, this is a real woman that died, got brutally murdered in the, in the, and, and just put out there for the public. And then, you know what, the person goes, you know what? Let's make a movie about it that didn't happen the way, but let's kill her at the end and make it brutal and killing the real woman again. But they've done that with like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where they took the events and they changed it up. So this is change. Like, I don't want to see the event. And guess what? The director did do another movie with the same type of events called the fucking O.J. Simpson movie right after this one, which was even shittier. So if you like he didn't even go for this one. He was like he didn't even get pure shit for this one. He did the shittier version the next one. Lee Slender. Slender Man just went, hey, do you know what? Let's make a movie about a creepy-ass fucking thing, but not make it creepy at all. Let's just have him walk in the woods and the girls get scared over nothing. And they're not even trying to save each other towards the end. They're just fucking all dying. They don't give a shit about each other towards the end. Plus, I mean, the director had a career. And Sean Tate, he had a career afterwards. The director Slender Man didn't have jack shit. 
He went to TV. He couldn't even do movies after this movie. That's how shitty this movie was. He couldn't even get a fucking movie made after this. I mean, I mean, so for a horror expert, as a person that loves horror and has seen a ton of it, yes, this probably didn't scare you to a way, but these movies get pumped in the theater. They throw a PG-13 logo on it. They put the teenage kids in this room, and they get scared by the Slender Man, because if you look at the Slender Man, then you die. It has, like, that ring footage. Like, it has plays homage to, like, the ring. I understand where they were going for it. Did every element hit for him? Probably not. But at the end of the day, it scared probably a subject of the audience to get enough people into the theater. The problem with The Haunting of Sharon Tate is The Haunting of Sharon Tate did not equal anything. So horror, yes, I would say it has to have some elements of scare or something. The problem with this one, this was just pure gore for the sake of gore. And not only did Sharon Tate die in the 60s she had to die again on screen played by hillary duff so her entire thing was ruined i'm sorry yeah so he made oj's next well so this was his he started running and then he would took off with that movie i don't care then he made another shitty movie he made a shitty movie to start and somebody gave him another job to make another movie i don't care your guy went to tv he probably has a better career in tv than he did in the movies it has nothing to do with your movie your just movie is the same thing as a truth or dare or anything like that it didn't hit but it hit for the demographic that needed to, maybe not for my team. See, with this movie, they didn't actually kill Sharon Tate in this movie. In the dream sequence, they did, but at the end, she's surviving with the rest of them. They actually take out those fucking guys at the end of Sharon Tate movie, and then One she goes to the black and white, where she talks about, I look at things through both colored glasses. So it gives a semi-happy ending for the Sharon Tate of this universe, just like they did with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Slender Man, they don't give anybody thing, and for the horror elements, gore and fucking damage that is horror all the way. Fucking stabbing the shit out of people, stomping the hell out of them. They stomp the hell out of Tex. They kick the shit out of him. They bust him in the face a hundred times and stab the shit. In the fucking dream sequence, they are brutalizing that entire Sharon Tate and her group of friends, and they do it in a brutal fashion, which is horror. In itself, that's what you want to see in that type of movie. Slender Man, they don't have any gore. They don't have shit. They got a dude that, Slender Man, that's only there for like five fucking minutes, and then it's just going running around the woods going, hey, can I find my shoes? No, I cannot. There's still graphic imagery that brings up the scare factor of that. And yes, sure, they kill the people in the dream sequence. At the end of the day, they're exploiting a real-life event. It didn't work. Time. All right, Cody, you get to close your argument first. You have one minute when you start talking. The Haunting of Sharon Tate's just bad direction, bad writing, bad script all across the board. The acting is awful. Hillary Duff just stretches out this entire film. The horror elements don't even work because they're not horror elements. They're just actual like real life events that happen, but in a dream sequence instead of in the actual thing to the person that actually died. Uh, Slender Man. Truth or Dare, all these other movies that come out once a year, Bye Bye Man, these things that a creature comes out and is supposed to scare people, it's supposed to scare the younger audience that get to go into these horror movies. It scared the shit out of people like that. It just didn't scare Mike Hanley because this fucker probably, you know, watched people die at three years old in the back of a uh, back of a movie parking lot. I don't know, but I'm telling you right now, it worked for the demographic it worked for. It's just there was there's different elements to it that just doesn't work for Mike, and that's why it's the worst of the bunch. Something about shoes. That's all I know. All right, ending about five seconds early, we will move over to Mike for his closing when he starts talking. Haunting the Sharon Tate does have horror elements, and it doesn't go by the exact story. If you want to see a worse version of that story, you watch the next movie he fucking did. If you watch the next movie he did, the OJ, if you pick that one, then I would say, hey, that's one of the worst fucking movies. This one is a bad movie, but it's not one of the worst movies. Slender Man does not have any horror elements at all. If you look at the reviews, they're all fucking point, point .5, point .0. No one fucking loved that movie because there's no horror elements at all. It's just a bunch of girls running around the woods trying to find a dude that's only there for five fucking minutes. At least with Sharon Tate, you got the blood, you got the gore, you got the horror elements that there are some parts that people want to see of those horror elements that shown it. Hilary Duff does an okay job. She doesn't do the amazing, but nobody in Slender Man, you can tell me, does an amazing job. At least in fucking Sharon Tate, you got Hilary Duff doing an okay job. You got some of the people trying to work with it. Slender Man, they're just fucking running around lollygagging. Okay. Also ending about five seconds early. <clears throat> we will bring in the judges. Mm. Do we all have our votes? Not yet. I'm okay. 
Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start. Um, this was interesting. Um, I thought Mike did really well. So, Mike, there you go. Great job. Um, I thought this kind of turned into which movie is scarier for a little bit, which wasn't the question. It, it, it kind of devolved into that for a little bit. And Mike kind of hit some of these, some of the things at the end about why, what makes Sharon Tate good. But I thought Cody did more talking about why Sharon Tate was actively bad with like the writing, the directing, the everything about it was, was bad. Um, and it, and the fact that it like took a real life event and just kind of like used it as like a way to try to get a cheap horror movie, um, is it, is in bad taste. Uh, so I went with Cody, uh, Kirk, you're going to go next. Oh, this is, this is really close. This is, I mean, this whole debate's like, it's going to be exhausting because these guys just can both really talk. Um, and they both, and you're, uh, Tim, you're right. It did turn into the scariest movie, but I mean, they both kind of went with that criteria. So I based it off of that mostly. Um, and what it came down to, I actually went with Mike because I oh, think yeah. Mike, I think Mike did a better job, uh, just slightly better job of, you know, when he hit, he hit uh, Sharon Tate really hard where, yeah, it is scary. You know, it, it, it's, it is a, a certain type of horror and it's there and the, there's elements we're missing from Slenderman. And I didn't hear from Cody, you know, anything rebuttal as far as where those were. So that's why I went with Mike, but just by a slip of the margins. Okay, Brian, you get to decide this one. This was this was interesting because uh, um, it kind of went back and forth a lot. In, in the beginning, I thought Cody was kind of dominating it, you know, making a better point of why his movie was worse and things like that. And the whole fact that it took a real life story and in bad taste and all that. Um, there was a turning point in the middle where, where Mike kind of caught my attention where he says, at least yours had the brutality, it had the gore, it had these things that a horror movie is supposed to have. So it came to me, is Sharon Tate the worst movie? Probably. Is... Slenderman, the worst horror movie going by horror criteria? I think so. Get the fuck out of <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. And I will say that even the demographic hates Slenderman. <laughs> I have not seen Sharon Tate, but I have seen Slenderman. I've seen either of these, so. It was, it was yeah. Slenderman. Neither Slenderman I actually made a point of not even looking at the questions before I didn't want to know anything going in. <laughs> That's fair. All right. So, uh, Mike is leading. <laughs> The fucking insanity. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on to the next question, which was drafted by Cody. It's in the category of James Bond. The category <laughs> question is, what Craig-era James Bond actor or actress would you want to see come back for the next James Bond actor's movie? So uh, Cody drafted this. He gets to go first. Cody, you have one minute when you start talking. Um, so there's one clear answer for this, and it wasn't actually until No Time to Die came out that this answer was solidified. It's Ana de Armas. Um, I think by far the absolute uh, right person to bring back into the series, whoever the next person is to take over the mantle. Um, honestly, I would honestly be okay with her taking the double O status, but I doubt that's where they're going to go. I think she'll play the Felix Leiter of the next character. And I think that's where you needed to go in the story. Uh, Ana de Armas brought in so much like charm and like, it seemed like she had chemistry with Daniel Craig, like at the jump and they'd never even met each other on camera. It was my favorite scene probably in No Time to Die um, when that scene happened, when they were actually uh, together. Um, and I just think where they could go, and I always, I can't think of the other character's name because I didn't do research, but they were always saying the other one's going to be the 007. I think this one was the clear person to lead the franchise or be the partner where um, Jeffrey Wright left off. So absolutely, Ana de Armas is the choice. All right, time. Okay, uh, we'll move over to Mike, who has one minute when he starts talking. All right, so I went a different direction with this. I chose uh, Jeffrey Wright, but as a new character to play the villain, Lord Humongous, a man with a big dick. And he's going to end up slapping the new James Bond, whoever plays the main character, in the face with it many times. Has a missile shaped like a dick that's going to be exploding on the United Kingdom. Jeffrey Wright is a perfect role for this because the man has the acting chops to pull off a villain role that we have not seen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
I guess I guess we've devolved into Jote. Uh guys, you have uh five minute freeform when one of you starts talking. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take your argument as hundred percent serious. Um no, not happening, not ever gonna happen. Uh, the problem with your pick is um Jeffrey Wright died in the last movie. No spoiler to everybody, but he it's died. It's a new character, in... I said. I, I, I get that. I get that. I, I, I will take that. Jeffrey Wright's character died in the last one. So to bring him back and show him up as a different character, and especially a big swinging dick uh, guy in this movie, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me. Um, I think a lot of the audience will be really confused by it. Um, and um, I just don't know how James Bond went from uh, where it went to um, this villain um to be able to be taken out of um i don't know how you show the scene of him uh hitting him in the face with it on day armis brings the charm the uh, i think she could be the felix lighter like i said character throughout the series help bond in those little missions shows up when she has to um but doesn't have to be the main focus of the film even if they made her the main focus i honestly wouldn't hate it i think she's got so much acting chops i think she's one of the, she's on the projectory to be one of those great actresses working so i'm i'm all on board anything she does in the next bond movie i think she needs to be in it so i think with her you have an everyday character that you've seen throughout the james bond franchise what you need is you need a new approach so you need to take the austin powers version you need to meld it with james bond you need a new approach to james bond so you're bringing lord humongous a man that's going to use a dick to use his power he's going to slap the shit out of james bond with it in many fights and like, <laughs> and and, and mom is, you know, brilliant actress. Won't take anything of that, but you can do better with that. There's many other female actresses you can bring in there and do better. But with Jeffrey Wright, you have not had a villain that has a big dick like he does that will slap the shit out of James Bond. Okay, so here's the thing. You're saying that she, there, there's this character that's been in different, the same character that's been there a lot. That's not true. Anand Armas taking control of the Felix Slider role has not been done in Bond. The closest one is Money Penny from the Craig series, but even then, she still goes to like a desk role. She doesn't really be that character, that that uh, heroine that you could kind of move the story along and help through it and like uh, help a new double O through his first mission or a girl who's doing it. And I think that's the start. She showed her, she showed her stunts ability, her uh, able to work, use a gun and uh, help bond out of a sticky situation where they didn't have it. I think you pair her with any bond moving forward. I think that's a chemistry that has what Craig and Wright had throughout the whole uh, Craig series has moving forward after that. I understand that you would love to Austin Powers uh, make it, but if you want to, just wait for Austin Powers 4. You can do the big swing and dick. I don't even know who you bring in. I don't see – when I look at Jeffrey Wright, I don't see big dick, in, big, big dick energy. I just don't see it. I don't see like he can command the 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 weapon, weapon to be able to uh, hit Bond in the face with it. I just don't um, – he already got his nuts uh, – touched by uh you know in the in casino royale i don't need to see jeffrey wright swinging a dick and hitting bond in the face. See, that's why you take that scene and you have to you have to better that scene you gotta go one inch further so you do it with his dick you slap the dick face across well know? here's my question for you bond i have yes. an, i have an honest question what if the next movie they choose to make the double o a female i think that's very in, in considerate to do that in front of a film i think that's not the right direction that you need to have and i think uh you'll have outroar and people not showing up to james bond and i don't i don't want that to happen or james or jane bond whatever one they go with the outroar is going to happen regardless if they have a female james bond in there so at least with that outroar you bring in a new element to help that approach all right <laughs> with the <laughs> with your character she would do well but there's other actresses that can take that role better than she can in that direction. Like, um, uh, what's her face from Haywire? You can bring her in. She can do a better with a better stunts, with better everything. But I, with Jeffrey Wright, you have that fucking ability to bring out a full-blown villain that's going to use a dick missile to take out the United Kingdom. My question also is Jeffrey Wright. <laughs> Jeffrey Wright is... Uh, so everything's like canon and bond they all carry over even like money penny has went from bond to bond like they all know each other so when they show up the people of the james bond world will also know that jeffrey wright 
looks a lot like Felix Leiter in the last one, and now he's took over a dick missile. And I don't know how that does how that doesn't ruin the canon of Bond. It doesn't ruin the canon because it's his twin. <laughs> Mike, you get one minute to close when you start talking. So the reason that they won't be able to, they will be able to recognize him, but they it won't be the same person because it's his twin. He's going to be using his dick to take out James Bond or Jane, Jane Bond, whatever way you want to go about it. You have different actresses that can take the role that you're suggesting and do it better than she can. And be more entertaining. You need to change up James Bond. You need that new approach since Daniel Craig is now dead. You need the new approach to that. So you need to take a new approach to James Bond. So you mix Austin Powers with James Bond. Boom. Dick slap energy. All right, Cody, you now have one minute to close when you start talking. The new approach I want is not with a giant dick missile. I don't want this in any way, shape, or form. I don't even want Austin Powers to go this route. What I want is Ana de Armas to take over a role inside James Bond that she had no time to die, that she got 10 minutes of screen time, that she stole the scene, and I want her put in there at some point. I don't care where she plays even a bad guy. She just needs to be in the role. It doesn't. Apparently characters don't matter. So she could be anything inside the James Bond world. I think she works out perfectly. Um... And I think she'll be the perfect pair to go with the next set of Bond, whoever it is, or whatever team it is, or whatever direction it is. She just needs to be in there. Jeffrey Wright had his time to be in the film. He did fine when he had it. Um, Ups and downs. He died perfectly. He went off the scene, and his twin brother can keep his dick somewhere else, but not in James Bond. Okay. (laughs) All right. (sighs) Boy. Tim's never been more uncomfortable in his entire life. I just, I just don't know what happened to my life. Uh, <laughs> uh, Brian, you decided the last one, so you get to go first on this one, you lucky bastard. I will say, from the minute that Cody said Anna de Armas, you know, he already kind of had me because I agree with that choice. However, I always, you know, wait and listen to the debate and judge not by my own taste. By the way, but that is the right choice. Let me just say that up front. Um, as far as the debate, I was uh, halfway through. I'm still was trying to figure out if he was talking about literally slapping his dick. <laughs> At first, I thought it was like a metaphor, and the more I listened, I'm like, oh, he's actually using his dick. Um, yeah, th- th- this this is a pretty easy choice. Oh, that's all I'll say, Cody. <laughs> uh, if I take what Mike said seriously, like Cody did, um, <laughs> which I feel like I have to as the judge here. Um, so I take what he says seriously. He was throwing out a lot of bullshit. Um, <laughs> he, he, he gave a pitch. It was a bold pitch. Um, but Cody was able to tear it down pretty easily and gave us a really good pitch for Ana de Armas coming back. I love that pitch as like the new Felix Leiter character. I think that's genius. So Cody for my vote, uh, Kirk. Where did you vote and why? Yeah, I, I think Cody's biggest challenge here was, you know, after uh, Mike's initial opening and, you know, kind of revealing his, his well, the way he was good. Cody's biggest challenge was keeping on the, this fight on the rails. Uh, be really easy. Just kind of get, like, you know, swept off your feet by that. But I think you good job. Mike almost had me with the twin plot twist, but I did ultimately <laughs> go with Cody. Maybe if it was a Bond gay porn parody. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right, so we are tied one-to-one as we get into the next question, which was drafted by Mike. It's in the category of horror icons, more horrors. <laughs> so, uh, Mike and Cody, the question is, who is the stupidest character in a horror icons movie? Mike, you get to go first on this. You have one minute when you start talking. Okay, so I went with uh, Joey from uh, Friday the 13th, 5, A New Beginning. The man, who's a bigger man, mind you, with a chocolate bar that decides to go to the one dude in the whole fucking orphanage place that they're at that would not want a fucking chocolate bar that looks like a psychopath and went, hey, you want a chocolate bar? Then he fucking gets chopped in half because of it. Dumbass character. Didn't need one of the motherfuckers that did not get killed by Jason or a guy that played semi-Jason with Roy. 
All right. Ending about 30 seconds early, we will move over to Cody, who has one minute to open his argument. Why don't you look? Why don't you look? This guy's not stupid. This guy's caring, uh, considerate, nice. This man is not stupid. Who is stupid? Which I read the question wrong at original, so I corrected myself, and I told Mike ahead of time. But I'm picking Tommy Jarvis, but I had to pick a movie. I didn't know, I figured. But he's. I'm picking the sixth one. The sixth one. Stupidest character. Um, this character defeats Jason in the original movie. What does he do? He drives to the graveyard and brings the fucker back to life. <laughs> you won? You brought him back. You want to talk about dumb? That dude has offered a chocolate bar. This dude brought back the demon known as Jason back to life to kill. He may not die by the hands of this person, but all the deaths are on Tommy's time. <laughs> hands strike it from the record. Uh, <laughs> so you guys have five minutes when one of you starts talking. All right. So, Joey. The man is not a good dude, mind you, but he starts talking shit to him while walking away. So it's going to piss him off. And the movie would not exist if it wasn't for this character fucking dying because of his dumbass chocolate bar. The reason the movie exists is because he fucking dies in the ambulance, man. It's fucking boy, his father, who sees him. So if the dude isn't dead, the movie doesn't exist. We don't have to deal with the part five. We can just go back to fucking Jason like everyone wanted to in the first place. Now, Tommy, the stupidest character, he went to that graveyard to finish him. He's been fucked in the head for two movies because of the vision of Jason. He wanted to make sure the motherfucker was dead. So he went there. He accidentally brought him back. But what did he do? He got his fucking balls in order, and he went, let's take his ass out a third time. And he fucking does it again. The motherfucker kills Jason again. I have a question for you. Does he kill? Does Jason kill anybody else in that movie? Yes, he does. He kills his best friend that he rode along with him, that he wouldn't have any hands on dying whatsoever if it wasn't for the fucker that picked the metal pole, stabbed it in Jason. By the way, Jason, just for anybody who hasn't seen this movie, is getting eaten to, get to death by maggots at this point. The dude's been, he's dead. There's cobwebs, everything. Jason's dead for a long time. The fucker starts stabbing the dude, and lightning strikes it twice in a roaring thunderstorm. Good job, Tommy, fucking moron. And brings back the demon known is Jason, and now Jason slaughters everybody. Tommy walks in the house eating a chocolate bar, offers his chocolate bar to other people, talk nice to the guy. He goes up to the one guy, starts talking to him, and the fucker takes an axe to his head. He was just trying to be considerate. That just means good people, nothing, nothing good happens to good people. He was just trying to be nice and considerate, and he gets killed for his actions. Not stupid. Who didn't know the crazy son of a bitch was going to do Because he was chopping wood. He wasn't chopping human beings. He was chopping wood and turns his axe on him. Fucking asshole. Not stupid. Nice. Jason would have came back anyways, but he came back at 8, 9, 10. He freaked the other times, motherfucker. So he would have came back regardless if Tommy would have shown up. But guess what? Tommy brings him back. He knows he fucked up by bringing him back. What does he do? He has cops on him, but he says, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to whoop Jason's ass a third fucking time. Well, a second time, mind you, because he whooped Roy's ass the second time. But the dude, Joey, he went there to a guy who's in there for brutalizing people. The dude is in there for fucking murder with the axe. So fucking Joey goes up to him. Hey, everyone else doesn't want a chocolate bar. Let's bring it to the dude with the big ass muscles. Let's bring the chocolate bar to him. And then he starts talking shit to him behind his back while he's walking away because the dude said no. The dude said no three fucking times before Joey just went, okay, you don't want it. And he starts talking shit. So the guy's going to chop him in the fucking head. Without Joey going up with the chocolate bar, five does not exist. Because then he won't chop the dude in half, and then we Thank don't have you. to deal with Roy anymore. You actually helped my case. So actually, Joey's not the dumbest, not even the stupidest character in your thing. If he's been locked away for brutalizing, murdering people with the axe, then the people of the orphanage that gave him the axe is the dumbest part of your movie. Those are the son of a bitches. Who lets the dude that's been locked up in there with an axe give him the axe back? That's the stupidest character, not even Joey. Joey just walked around. Yes, is he has social skills? Not really. Did he offer a chocolate bar? Did he leave the chocolate bar down? And he's like, oh, he doesn't want it. This is me. And then he gets hit for it. You're does, it doesn't matter if Tommy 
tries to avenge this after the fact, after bringing Jason fucking back. The problem is, the stupidest move in any movie ever is to bring the demon back. He also brought him his mask. And the buddy that he brought along, he goes, oh, I got a bad feeling about this. He's like, don't do it. And he keeps doing it. And then lightning strikes him back. And his friend's dead. And it's because of Tommy. Tommy is stupid for driving all the way to the, just to make sure he's dead. Bitch, have you seen him? One have minute. you seen him recently? He doesn't show up anywhere, but all you do is go right to the person and kill. I don't care if he ends up avenging at the end of the day. The stupidest character is the person that actually brings him back. He's the reason he's back alive and killing people. Yes, but so is fucking Joey. And Joe, it would not exist if Joey wouldn't fucking bought up the chocolate bar. Jason comes back in later fucking movies regardless of Tommy because Tommy doesn't show up in any of the others after that. So it We're not talking about other Tommy. movies. No, but that's what I mean, is that Jason comes back regardless. So this movie, he comes back, but he fucking steps up and kills Jason again. He steps up while cops are on, while no one's believing that Jason is alive. Tommy fucking knows it because he saw him, so he goes, I'm going to kill the motherfucker. Joey, dumbass, wanted a fucking chocolate bar. He wanted to give it to people. He had the chocolate bar. He had the chocolate bar. No, he wanted to give it to him. The dude yeah. didn't want a fucking nice. He told him three fucking times he didn't want it. Learn to fucking listen. He, he touched he the women's laundry, but they didn't hit him with an axe. Time. Because of him. All right, Cody gets to close first on this one. He has one minute when he starts talking. Listen, the problem with Joey is, yeah, Joey's just a nice guy in the wrong place, wrong time. He's offering a candy bar. He goes to the women doing laundry. They don't shoot him in the head. They're like, get the fuck out of here. Okay, blah, blah, blah. That's what the other guy could have done. If you're going to talk about stupidest part in your movie, apparently they gave the axe murderer an axe. That's their problem. They did it in their movie. I don't know. My thing is, Tommy kills the guy in the original movie. It's like hitting off walk-off home run, and what does the fucker do? Go in the stand, grab the ball, and throw it back in the field of play. What the hell are you doing? You already did the thing that you needed to. He goes in, he stabs, he brings him back to life. His best friend that he just drove with him kills him. He killed, Jason kills more people. It's all in his hand. And who cares if Tommy is the victor? He brought Jason back. If Jason comes back in other movies, that's not the point. The fact is, he's the reason that he is back. If not, he would have stayed in the coffin for maybe a hundred more years. Who knows? Same people that let him out of the chains in the water. The people that bring that character back is the dumbest characters possible because this is a killing machine, and now he's going to go killing people. Tommy, fucking moron. Dumb. Time. Dumb. <laughs> I like that. All right, Mike, you have one minute when you start talking. So I didn't say axe murder, and Joey is the biggest fucking idiot in the world because he sets the whole fucking movie in motion by being the dumbass that he is and going to the one dude you do not want to go to that's already been there for fucking killing people, getting in his face and talking shit to him while walking away, dude brutalizes them, and that's how Roy is fucking born. Tommy, he fucks up, makes a bad decision, but then he takes that decision, he runs with it, and he fucking kills Jason again because guess what? He knows, like everyone else, Jason never fully fucking dies. He always comes back. So that's why he showed up to that fucking graveyard to make sure the motherfucker was going to be dead. He came back. He fucking killed his ass again. He stepped up like he always does. He fucking kills Jason again. Okay. Ending about 15 seconds early. Um. Okay. Off, sorry. All right. Are we good, judges? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, Kirk, you are leading this one. Okay. Um, I've seen neither of these movies, uh, so I have to take everything based on what you guys said. Um, so if there are plot details that I'm overlooking, um, that's just kind of how it is uh, because I don't know them other than what you told me. Um, and based on the arguments, um, I think came down to, you know, it was kind of similar where both – both characters are responsible for the events of their movies. Um, you know, Cody was saying he was dumb for bringing them back. Um, and, you know, uh, Mike made the argument, well, you know, he, you know, he would have been back anyway. You know, he would have came back. And I think Cody did a good enough job of shooting that down. Mike came back with, well, he finished the job. If Mike would have come back and said he finished the job and given me points of how he was not a dumb character doing that. I may, I probably would have went with Mike, but because I didn't hear that, I ended up going with Cody. Okay, Brian, where are you going? Um, 
I, I agree with Kirk on that. Uh, I think they had very similar arguments um, as far as like, you know, they, they were people that caused the events of the movie to be able to happen. Um, I also think that both um, debaters were better at arguing against the other person's choice than they were for their own. I think both of them, I thought, did that very well. Uh, but I guess the deciding point for me, I think, I think was Cody. Um, I think when he pulled out the fact that, you know, Joey wasn't even the dumbest person in that movie because the stupid person was the one who gave an axe murder an axe. I had to give him that. Um, I also went with Cody. Um, I think the big thing for me, having watched these movies a lot in the last uh, year and a half, um, and is, is one of those facts is that like, when Cody said he would have stayed in the ground another hundred years or whatever, if it wasn't for Tommy is 100% true because he's at the bottom of the lake at that movie. The only reason he comes back in seven, eight, nine is because he was resurrected in six. Uh, So that really, that point was really big for me. Also the beginning of Jason lives as stupid as Tommy is slaps. They spoof bond in it and it's great. Um, But the point goes to Cody. Uh, Cody is now winning two to one. As we go to the final question of the prep round, Mike needs to hit this to send it to sudden death. If Cody hits this, he will be the winner. So the question was drafted by Cody. It's in the category of actors and actresses, specifically Denzel Washington. The question is, which Denzel Washington movie should Denzel have been nominated for but wasn't? Again, we were talking about the Oscars, nominated for the Oscars. So, uh, Cody, you are going to get to go first on this one. You have one minute when you start talking. Denzel is kind of a weird character, a weird actor that the Oscars kind of overlooks at times. Like he gets, uh, he gets praised for other stuff that he should have, and doesn't get praised for the stuff he really should have. And the one that I picked, uh, there's a lot of choices I could have went with. But I went with Frank Lucas from American Gangster. I think American Gangster is a long movie overall, but I think overall shows the best range of Denzel, especially in the 2000s, is basically he goes from like a nice family guy, like creates this like network around him that's so tight knit, but he's the quickest to pull a trigger and blast somebody in the face tomorrow if they cross him or they don't do what he says. Um, His range in that role is insane. Um, Just his ups and downs. Um, I just love it's always got the my man quote from it but like when he's like the nice guy like looking great but then all of a sudden the next scene he's pulling a gun and taking somebody out uh his yeah he just goes up and down and his ruthless ruthless denzel is the best denzel when denzel is able to be that mean character he's better than any other time all right we will move over to mike who has one minute to open his argument when he starts talking all right, so I went with uh, Book of Eli as Eli, a blind man that no one knows is blind up until the end of the film. You want to talk about brutality? This motherfucker, as a blind guy, is chopping people in half and fucking nailing all of his shots. I think his acting is fucking extraordinary in this fucking movie. The way he's able to overtake Gary Oldman in their scenes together is fucking incredible. I think that his range with Mila Kunis, the scenes with Mila Kunis are great. And the way he presents himself as a guy that's not able to, the whole movie, you don't know why he's wearing the sunglasses the whole time. He's able to take being blind to an advantage throughout this movie. And he does it in an extraordinary way. And that ending is so fucking incredible with him passing away the way he does, all because he wants to get the Bible, the greatest book in the hands of someone that can get out to the bulk. All right. Um, American Gangster, Book of Eli. You guys have five minutes when one of you starts talking. I love Book of Eli. Book of Eli ranks in those same categories of like out of time, man on fire, equalizer, equalizer two. Good movies, good action type movies. But overall, the range is still the same with Denzel. I've always, I've said this on record. If anybody can ever point out a movie that he's been bad in, I'll I'll Venmo you some money because I don't think he's a bad in any movie he ever does. Does he do bad movies? Absolutely. I just don't think he does anything extra into that movie to make him any better in that movie than one, the nominees that year two that he's able to take this character beyond the point of where he is. It's a cut. It's a by the book uh, action movie 
that he does pretty well. And yes, he's wearing sunglasses. Does it turn out he's blind? Wow, you're doing all that blind. Well, Denzel can stop. He's not actually blind. So at the end of the day, the role is still the role. Um, and him being Frank Lucas, an American gangster, with Ridley Scott directing him and showing that versatile of being like the family man, the guy that protects his own, that won't let anybody through, but then the quickest trigger to take out his own family members that cross him while Russell Crowe is on him is like top-notch Denzel acting in the 2000s. Denzel Washington is good in American Gangster, but the concept of a of the rise and fall of a gangster like he does has been done before, so it's nothing new. And Denzel, he does good in it, but everyone else does the same amount as he does in it. Book of Eli, Denzel is the true fucking standout of that. Especially out of Gary Oldman, who's a fucking amazing actor. In a lot of the roles he takes, he plays a cookie-cutter role that Denzel overtakes in this movie time and time again. He's a standout performer in Book of Eli. He's able to take, make you believe that he's hitting all these shots, that he's chopping people in half while you believe in he's seen. Then you find out he's fucking blind the whole time. He's been acting. Every movement you see him make is him as a blind man. That's how he is playing it, and he plays it so well. American Gangster is good, but there are better versions that have been played other than Frank Lucas. Yeah, I, I understand the rise and the fall of a gangster has been done, so like that doesn't discredit um, discredit Denzel's performance in it and doesn't make it Oscar-worthy. The same viewpoint is a, there's been millions of biopics and millions of people have been nominated for an Oscar for playing a real person. doesn't mean discredits it anymore. The fact that he was able to carry this and also carry the weight of every other movie that's been done by a gangster, about a gangster, and able to carry it and still have a, the same deliver, like rise above the traditional gangster movies... That shows something that he's not able to do. And you're saying like he's he's with um, in his group of like um, with like Russell Crowe and people that he doesn't outshine that movie. That's absolutely insane to say. He is the star of that movie. He rises above everybody else. Russell Crowe plays off of him, which makes him even better. Your movie, yes, of course you're the standalone. What, you're going to nominate goon number four in the movie to be like the best supporting actor? Gary Oldman's the only standout else in that movie besides Denzel. It's a movie that he carries by himself just like Equalizer. Is it a good performance? Sure. Is it Oscar-worthy? Absolutely not. It doesn't carry anything extra to make that movie in insane above what it does he you don't think he's pulling those shots most of the time you probably think it's a stunt man the man's 60 he ain't doing that shit <laughs> josh, god damn it josh Brown and fucking russell crowe definitely hold their own with denzel denzel is not the standout performer in american gangster they are all it's a community fucking peace movie they all pull their weight in that movie the same he is not the standout performer. He has done better roles like Book of Eli, like fucking Training Day playing a villain. You want to see a villain role of Denzel that he stands out? That's fucking Training Day all the way. He does not match anywhere near that with American Gangster. Book of Eli, he fucking is able to take a role that most people would not be able to take, a standalone role that One he minute. has to hold the movie by himself. And he's able to pull it off against hierarchy actors like Gary Oldman, Mila Kunis, Fucking um, uh, what's his face? Um, uh, uh, Michael okay. Gambon. Sorry, Michael Gambon. Fucking uh, you know, my fucking thing is, Dumbledore. God damn it! <laughs> my thing is, my thing is, Denzel Washington <laughs> in that year of 07 could have been nominated. Fucking Johnny Depp and Sweeney Todd was nominated over the man. He deserved the role. He deserved the point. And I'm telling, and you're saying training that it's a perfect example. Thank you for bringing up training. Day. The last time the man won best leading actor, he deserved the role for it because he was able to go back to that same ruthless side, but actually show more heart than uh, Alfonso ever shows in that movie. Ever. Alonzo, he doesn't show any kind of remorse or anything throughout that movie. This one, he actually shows that heart, so that duality <clears> of the <throat> character of I will cut you dead in the middle of the street and I will also have your back till the end. Time. Insane. Alright. Uh, Mike, you get to close this one first. You have one minute when you start talking. I bring up Training Day because that's a similar role that he did, that he did way fucking better with Training Day than he did with American Gangster. American Gangster is like the security guard version of fucking Training Day. Book of Eli, he's able to show his acting chops. He's able to show his range as a man that is alone in this world, and he only has a few people 
nobody he can fucking trust up until Mila Kunis, who he barely fucking trusts. He uses that ability to run through that movie the way Denzel can. American Gangster, a good gangster movie, but not a fucking echelon for an Oscar performance. Okay. Move over to Cody, who has one minute to close his argument. Listen, I will sit there and say that Book of Eli, he is the standout in that movie, and I won't deny that. But the thing is, he's the only standout in that movie. It's a typical action movie where he leads, he's the main chess piece moving the entire story along. And there's one bad guy, his name is Gary Oldman, and that's it. Everybody else, he rises above. The thing is, his. Denzel Washington able to start as the entry level into this family and take over the family, get combat against Russell Crowe in a Ridley Scott film, and take that character beyond where it was supposed to go. It could have been a t- typical cut, your cut like Gangster Squad, missed the mark, everything. He security guard film, that's insane. This movie has so many layers to it, and his role is so powerful. Johnny Depp got the Oscar nomination over this man. He deserved it. His scene where he's like the loudest one in the room is the weakest one in the room is one of my favorite scenes ever. He's able to deliver that with such a clear cut when somebody's so boisterous and so loud, he's able to bring it down and tell you exactly what that character is supposed to be. Uh, great performance. Time. Okay. We all ready to go? Okay. Um, thought this was good. This was interesting. Um, would not have picked either of these movies actually myself, but I think both are interesting choices. So um, I went with Cody. Um, I thought that Cody was did a better job of saying like he's not bad in any movie, so he's not bad in the Book of Eli, but. There's nothing in the Book of Eli that puts it over the top that makes it Oscar-worthy like American Gangster. And Cody actually brought up examples of of actors from that year that weren't as good as Denzel in American Gangster. So that that point really hit for me. So I give it to Cody. Uh, Kirk, you're going next. Um, I, yeah, I suck at Cody. Like what you said, Tim, is that Denzel really does no wrong. So it's, it's hard to say that Denzel performance is bad. Um, and I don't think any, either of you tried to argue that necessarily, just why it was lesser. Um, it did. I heard way too much about the ancillary stuff in the movie and not the performance. Not the, uh, you know, it, you know. And I think you know, you both towards the end started talking more specifically about the performance. Um, but what sealed it for me um, was one person actually brought up the Oscars, brought up the idea of nominations, and that is what what sealed the deal for me. So I also went with Cody. Okay, Brian, your vote doesn't count, but where would you have gone? Um, I also voted Cody. Um, I think what got it for me, uh, I think Cody make, made a good point uh, with Denzel in a cast that was already full of all these you know, great performances. He kind of stood out, but especially when he talked about how in his movie uh, he had his character, he was able to portray this great arc from you know just starting out and rising to power and all that kind of thing. And it was a little more than whereas in the other film, it's kind of a, a straight performance. Yep. All right. So that means your winner is Cody Newberry. Uh, moving on to the next match. So uh, we're going to start by talking to Mike. Mike, great job. You came in setting, saying you were going to get your ass kicked. And that that didn't happen, Mike. You, you got a point. Um, and, and you did really well in almost all the fights that didn't involve penises. So... <laughs> Honestly, great job. I'd love to have you back on the show because I think you did really well. Uh, how are you feeling about the match? Yeah, you know, I, I came in knowing this was a loose and fucking battle. I knew Cody's one of the best debaters in this community. I'm going to get my ass handed to me, but I love Cody to death. I wanted to fucking face him just to have a good laugh. Yeah, did I take all these seriously? No fucking way. I didn't take any of these fucking really seriously. Uh, you know, he deserves to fucking win. And yeah, I'll come back with this. It's fun. It's good times. Great. All right, Mike. Well, we'll get you back in as soon as we can, uh, but let's move over to Cody. Cody, you are moving on. I can tell you who your uh, potential opponents will be soon, but how do you feel about uh, your return to debate? 
I'm rusty as shit. Okay, I am absolutely rusty as shit at this. Um, I've seen it for a long time, but actually doing it again, like thinking counterpoints on the fly, like there was like gears that had to like snap loose in my brain to get me going. Like it was fucking nuts, Mike. And hats off to uh, Mike won that first question absolutely out of the gate. I had no problem with you all like voting for him. I saw it. And I was like, fucking hell, I'm I'm backwards in this. I also didn't think I was going to get to that question. Hopefully, because I thought I could win the other three, and that's what ended up happening. So lower prep on that one definitely didn't help me. Um, no, I felt good. Um, uh, kind of helped me with like you and Kirk and Brian here, three people that are pretty, I would say, tough on debate judges uh, judging. So to have you three as my first person, that was probably the best. So I, I know where to like go and critique. Oh, Mike and me, this is, I mean, me and Mike are tight like uh we watch like again we watch movies every week together so we'll probably watch him one after this so i was just happy to fight him he threw me off my game he told me beforehand he's like i got something up my sleeve didn't know it was jeffrey wright's dick but i'm gonna be honest with you um i was i he made me prepare and i'll probably use him to help me prepare for other things in the future but like able to like swing past that i was like no pun intended um i was able to get out of it from my line of face so it was it was a lot of fun I'm glad right. to be back. Well, Cody, uh, with this win today, um, it doesn't mean we won't see you until after the next title match. But what it does mean is you will be playing uh, the winner of another, uh, uh, I believe. Wait, hang on. Hold the phone. No, you are going to be playing, actually, the winner of Richard Schwartz and Andrew James Barr. Who okay. do you want and why is it Richard? Okay, so Richard, my favorite quote from last year, when you guessed Saruman for Desolation of Smog, I would love to play him, and I would probably pick Desolation of Smog just for the fun of it. Um, no, but I'm playing Bar. I hope I play Bar. That's who I want. Listen, I'll pick quotes for Bar. That's what I want to do is pick quotes because he'll misquote everything while he does it, and I'll win that debate easily because the man couldn't quote a movie to save his freaking life, and I'll say that because having him on YLS for too many times. Uh, no, I think Bar would be God, oh, do I want to smash Bar? Like, that would just be the ice. He'll pick musicals and something pretentious that he's seen 45 times, but not like classic movies, like good movies that he hasn't seen. Um, yeah, I'm ready for Bar uh, in the worst way. Uh, God, oh, such a hack, such an absolute hack of a person. Like, knows movies but doesn't know shit. He got KO'd by my family in fandom. So, if he picks anything in fandom, he doesn't know it. So, I've got a great shot. So, yeah, bring me Andrew Barr. That'd be a lot of fun. All right. Well, that's going to be happening uh, in a few months, but uh, I'm looking forward to it when it does. So, uh, Cody, congrats on the win. Uh, let's. Uh, Get final thoughts, starting with Brian. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's an interesting first match for Cody coming back because, like he's, he said, he's a little rusty. And for him to come back against Mike, uh, he said himself that Mike was going to throw him off his game. And he absolutely did. I mean, part of that with the big swinging dick and all that kind of thing. But also just with Mike's debate style and personality, is he's real laid back, he's real friendly, he's real jovial. And Cody's strength in his debates is when he gets angry and exasperated and all up in arms and yelling at people. And he can't really do that with Mike. So I can understand how it kind of threw him off there. So it'll be interesting to see in his next debate how Cody, what, what approach Cody takes. Yeah. And Kirk, final thoughts from you. Yeah, Mike got a tough draw uh, for his, you know, for a rookie debut. You know, with, you know, Cody, Rusty or not, is still, you know, one of the all-time best at this. So um, he gave it a great shot. And I want to see Mike come back because I think if he, you know, hones his skill, I think he got his feet wet here. And he if he, you know, understands what's going on and how to how to just tweak things a little bit here and there, he can be dangerous. Um, I think he has, like Brian said, a real unique style that could throw people off. Um, so it's going to be fun seeing what he does in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to do it for us today at Fan Zone. Thank you to Mike. Thank you to Cody. And thank you to Kirk and Brian. We've got a lot of stuff coming up uh, in two weeks. Caleb Coho is taking on Cameron Holtzman. Uh, and then after that, another debut match. Robert Kastner and Jack Pinchuk are going up against each other. So, uh, And then pretty soon, we're going to get to see Kirk back in the ring um, against someone in some of those people i just said so yeah fun all right so guys thank you so much for watching we'll see you real soon with the next match until then have a good one
That's my bad. I was sending a tweet.